DAB Plus online via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Well, what an opening weekend we had in the EFL as the championship contenders were all involved in late drama. Sets it back for Shea Adams, who swivels on the edge of the six-yard box and fires Southampton into the lead. And then it's hammered in by Somerville and Leeds have equalised. Here's Dewsbury Hall, shoots into the top corner. Get it, Dewsbury Hall, two for him. No such joy for Queen's Park Rangers in their opener. A 4-0 defeat to Watford has got everyone predicting relegation for the hoops. We've built this bottom of the league and we've got beat 4-0. Well done, everyone's getting it right so far, but I tell you what, they're not going to. We're going to book this trend and we're going to start winning some games. And this past weekend, you may have noticed more yellow cards and a lot more added time. Fair to say, a few managers were left unimpressed, including Sunderland's Tony Mowbray. Is that what football is going to be like now? You know, 13, 14, 15 minutes added on. Is it right? I'm not sure. The new rules have caused a real stir. I'll be getting the thoughts of my co-host Sam Parkin on this. We'll also discuss defeats for Notts County and Wrexham. Barnsley in seventh heaven, Wigan springing a shock at Pride Park and Reading in real trouble on and off the field. Plenty to get through over the next hour. Loads to discuss. You're listening to EFL All Access with me, your host, Hughes and Croft. And I am delighted to say joining me, Sammy Parkin, the former Swindon, Ipswich and Luton Town frontman with loads to discuss. Sam, first weekend back into the action in the EFL. How, how did you find it? I genuinely loved it. Um, I'm not just saying that. I thought it was a brilliant weekend. I thought all the fancied sides were really challenged. I thought that was really evident. Welcome to the championship for, for Southampton. Maybe less so than Leicester and Leeds, but I thought all those games that they were involved in were, were excellent and loved to see Ipswich and Plymouth for two getting off to a winning start as well in, in the championship. I thought it was a weekend that had some amazing goals as well. Maybe we're a little bit spoilt, but there were seven or eight standout finishes in the second tier. So all in all, yeah, typical championship weekend to get going again. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it threw up a number of subplots which we're going to get into uh, over the first hour. The main thing for me it was great to see some of the special atmospheres back. You know, everyone having that hope first game of the season that this could be a special one. I thought the scenes at Plymouth in particular, the ball hit in the back of the net, you would have thought they'd been in the championship year on year, you know, if not higher up because the fan base was just so passionate. But it's not just there all across the divisions, you know, we got to see some of those great um, crowds and atmospheres back. And it was just, I think for me, just knowing we're going to get another good campaign here and the, the pyramid is so important. It's well supported. And that was great to see back uh, up and down the country. Um, but we're going to start by talking about those three big teams we mentioned on, on last week's show who had been relegated from the Premier League into the championship. Now, we're not going to do this every week, of course, but I think you know, judging those teams on the first week here is quite important because I think it's fair to say if if Leicester, if Leeds, if Southampton can, you know, with some of the quality that they have in their, their squad, if they can get into their stride, it's going to be a long season for the other clubs trying to chase them for automatic promotion. So let's start with Leicester City because they were quite an interesting one, especially looking at the King Power Stadium. One of the big things for Enzo Maresca we talked about last week is, is he going to be able to galvanise 
pretty low, disappointed fan base at the moment, given that relegation. Um, some quality players still there. Some brought in this summer. They left it pretty late to beat at Coventry in the West Midlands derby at 2-1. What did you make of the style of play that Enzo Maresca brought into his first league game? Well, I enjoyed it. I thought there was obvious teething problems, probably at both ends of the pitch, actually. Coventry definitely highlighted that the goalkeeper, um, not not the biggest, maybe lacks a little bit of stature from dead balls. So he was put under pressure. That was clear to me. I think a little bit of a lack of pace at the heart of the defence, something for them to maybe address. And had Coventry been a little bit more clinical, we could have been, we, we would be talking about a different outcome because they passed up a number of really presentable opportunities. But no, I, th- I think the style of play, very similar probably to what Pep Guardiola uh, enjoys to watch and the way he's coached. Um, the system was very similar with Pereira going into midfield. I thought they lacked a little bit of a focal point until Iheanacho came on. So that's food for thought probably for mm. the manager as well. Vardy, I know he he's the type of striker who only needs a few touches and he can leave with a brace or even better. So I don't think he's deterred by not being heavily involved, but I do think that it will affect the team yeah. in this style if they haven't got someone to build into. And I thought it was really evident when Iheanacho came on, they looked more creative yeah. and looked more dangerous. But all in all, I think they're in good fettle, Leicester, because I believe, yeah. I think that Leeds will probably have a few more to go out the door and Southampton as well. I think Leicester, give or take, you know, that's they're pretty much set for the season and may even add one or two. Yeah, some very good players at Leicester mm. at the moment who'll all be disappointed with me saying that this was a West Midlands game and not an East Midlands game. So I can only apologise to fans of, of Leicester and Coventry. Pereira dropping into midfield mm. was an interesting one to see because they got some very good players um, who've, who've, you know, the likes of Indeedy who've been there for a while. They lost, of course, Yuri Tielemans. So to see a little switch there where they can maybe cover for what they've lost in midfield was interesting. But I think for a lot of people that... The takeaway, positive takeaway in terms of the changes was the performance of Harry Winks, the former Spurs midfielder, of course, who, you know, not too long ago, what is it, four years ago, was playing in the Champions League final and has been involved in the England fold before. Um, but we haven't seen the best of his game for at least a couple of seasons. He was on loan at Sampdoria, relegated from Serie A last year, injured for a lot of the campaign as well. But he had a really positive day. I think he's the kind of player that needs to get confidence back and just by playing regularly is probably why he's decided to go to Leicester he can do that yeah it's um, it's a big signing for them as is Connor Cody we'll have to wait and see how he fits into the style because I thought they lacked a bit of pace at the back I don't mm. think Cody's going to address that but yeah, he's yeah. probably going to be that kind of guy to progress the ball into midfield Harry Winks w- will do what Josh Cullen did brilliantly for Burnley last season keep it neat and tidy and allow those two number eights as it was at the weekend to to go and flourish Dewsbury Hall being the, the obvious one who yeah. you know pulled them out of a bit of a hole so um, no I think Harry Winks I think Harry Winks is an indication an example straight away of uh, the way that the manager wants to go it looks like he's going to be imperative in the in the system. And I thought he was good without being spectacular at the weekend. But Dewsbury Hall steals the headlines, a couple of brilliant goals. And I think we saw enough to suggest that he can go on and be talismanic for, yeah. for Leicester, become what James Madison and, and Harvey Barnes maybe were over the last couple of years. I think a lad coming through the academy with that 
uh, amount of ability in the second tier, he should flourish. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely should. Uh, so should a lot of this Leeds United side. They left it very late. Only a draw for them in their opening match. Grudge match against Cardiff, as always. They were, though, 2-0 down at half-time. Somerville, Crescentio Somerville with a, a late equaliser. We saw a few of those. The fifth minute of added time. Did it suggest the performance of Leeds United that they, they're missing something in forward areas, maybe a focal point as a as a striker? I quite enjoyed the the, the front players, actually. Yeah. I think just uh, out of necessity, they've had to go with, with Nonto because Bamford and, and Ruta are, are injured. I think there's another one as well that got injured in, in pre-season, another forward player. So I think given what was available, I quite enjoyed watching them. I thought they were really bright, good rotation, obviously quite a few diminutive players thrown in there. Mm. Maybe Alice Sunderland back end of last season. They caused Cardiff enough problems going going forward. It was just that Cardiff are... Cardiff are no mugs this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't, the jury's obviously out on the manager. Well, the jury's not out, but we don't know a lot about the manager. Mm. Brought in some really good players. So, yeah, surprised to a degree that Cardiff went to Ellen Road and got a point. But when you look at the names now, Ramsey, um, uh, Carlin Grant, Ugbo, mm. good forward players. Yeah, yeah. Good options. They made some good signings. So, um, no, I was uh, impressed with them. And I thought Leeds got themselves out of a little bit of a hole, a little bit of a... A little bit of a bitty performance, mm. but great way to end the game and the noise. Well, that was, I was, I was, yeah, I was literally about to when say that. that. Amazing. Yeah. The two nil down, it kind of, I think it showed us the way that they came back. That mm. Ellen Road is going to be one of the toughest places to go this season, isn't it? And that may have been the difference. You know, mm. if they if they aren't necessarily at their one hundred percent full flow at home at times, that crowd will carry them over. Yeah, and the performances of Somerville, Nonto, you know, two of the chaps I've already mentioned who are getting loads of interest and could yet leave mm. before the end of the window, their attitude was exemplary, I thought, till the last whistle, clearly. They looked defensively a little bit vulnerable, so that's probably where Daniel Farker will have to focus and probably where he's had to focus for quite a lot of his managerial career in yeah. this country because he likes expansive football. He likes that what I just described actually diminutive forward players a lot of rotation and they got that in abundance probably the my last point on, on that game the performance of uh, of Archie Gray in midfield I mean this yeah. was I thought 20 minutes in this was going to be one of the best debuts I'd ever seen at the level for a 17 year old it was astonishingly good he tailed off a little bit he probably actually started trying things a little bit over elaborately because mm-hmm. he was so confident and so settled. Uh, but him and Ampadu, um, if that's going to be you know a midfield on occasions this season, cough, Leeds fans are in for a treat because I really enjoy watching both those two players. Yeah, Archie Gray, uh, superb. But um, and the, I guess the other bit of news concerning Leeds United looks uh, like Tyler Adams, who I actually thought. You know, with the injury that he picked up at the end of last season, this this transfer window might be too far for him in terms of getting a move. Mm. When he was back, I was like, you know, this is the United States captain. This is a fantastic addition to have in the championship this year, whose game actually looks like it would suit um, this division as well. Looks like he might be on his way to Chelsea, of all teams. It's a big move, you know, surprising one in terms of the Premier League, but in terms of, of Leeds United, could be a big miss. So to see those players functioning well in midfield will be a positive out of the weekend. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be too good for the championship, I think, at this, this stage of his career. I, I, I like him, Tyler Owens. Mm. I think he gets around. He's, he's so aggressive. He was perfect in that Jesse Marsh style of play, you know, going and, and ratting and winning the ball back and, and closing from the front. So I think Ampadu's slightly less mobile maybe but 
he's he's got the majority of those same attributes and he'll grow mm. I think playing at a big club now after yeah needs a home he's been relegated three seasons running yeah. and he's, he's was played the only for, one that title you know but, he doesn't turn 23 I think for another yeah. six weeks or so and he's already played for six clubs it's yeah crazy. I, know, I know it's the championship but I think seven million pounds is a, oh, is yeah. a decent deal for him you know, and big, international with over yeah. 40 caps for Wales I yeah. mean experienced player even though it hasn't gone well for him in terms of his career so far if he gets a settled home at Leeds United I think mm. you're right he could flourish Southampton next um, you know for everything said about the type of football that Russell Martin's sides play Southampton maybe imp- impressed um, for a lot of people in terms of the quality of the victory over Sheffield Wednesday it wasn't uh, well, there was loads of possession, let's be perfectly honest, mm. but it wasn't the exact type of style that we've seen from Russell Martin teams in the past. Just shows you the level of the Premier League. That was my my biggest takeaway in the first half on, on Friday night. I, I thought they were sensational. I thought players that looked like steady away Premier League players, Carl Walker-Peters being the, 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 main, mm. the main one in that, looked like a world beater yeah. honestly um, same role as uh, we just described for Cole Walker-Peters that Pereira did for Leicester in terms of inverted fullback uh, his combination with Teller that they combined for the goal I thought was a, a big part of it the two number eights um, supported by Smallbone who played in front of the back four and was faultless yeah. throughout the game I thought they were really really good the one criticism and it's probably a repetitive criticism that Russell Martin and his his support staff here, not enough chances created, not enough good chances, not enough forward passes into the dangerous areas. So that's the one criticism, but he's got better players now. And when you've got the better striking options, he's probably in a, he's been in a, in a very fortunate position, but a very good position for his yeah. career development that now he is working with better calibre players mm. that will probably need fewer chances to convert and he'll probably have a little bit better clinical element in front of goal so yeah I'm, I'm, I'd be really excited if I was a Southampton fan they may lose Armstrong Che Adams Jay, James Ward-Prowse but I think they'll probably have the opportunity to replace them yeah. so that was a that was a very very good opening day performance I yeah, felt yeah I'm excited to see Carlos Alcaraz uh, do more in this division yeah, to be good. perfectly honest but I think a lot of the players in their Southampton squad the only reason that they are in the championship aside from their relegation <laughs> is their age because the quality is there they're obviously very young and inexperienced players but I think they're going to enjoy this season in the championship and I think quite a few people were down on Southampton after that relegation I think already in that first match they've shown that they are going to be a very decent competitor in this division over the course of the year with Russell Martin in charge. Um, Listen, those three teams addressed. More to come from the championship next. You're listening uh, to EFL All Access. Uh, We will also be talking about that very tough opener for Queen's Park Rangers after this. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Watford are in again, and it's 4-0! QPR fans cannot believe it. Watford 4, QPR 0. There's only 42 and a half, and it's gone, Sam Oh, this is quite extraordinary. You wonder about QPR, don't you? You know, Gareth Payne's a good guy. He knows his way around the block, but something's not right there. It's as if the players don't want to listen to him. We're going to work hard. That's what we've got to do at this place. We've got to work really hard and... and Look at the uh, the teams that beat you and, and try and be as good as them. Try and be like them, you know, and, and, and match those players. 
You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wizencroft alongside the former Ipswich and Luton frontman Sam Parkin. Let's talk about Queen's Park Rangers. Are they in big trouble already? It was a 4-0 win for Watford at Vicarage Road at the weekend. All the goals scored in the first half. So I guess the positive for Gareth Ainsworth is that they drew the second 0-0 because... It has not been great so far during his time as Queen's Park Rangers boss. They were six points above the relegation zone, finished 20th at the end of last season, and they've only had two clean sheets in his 14 matches in charge since he arrived in February. Sam, this one was, well, it was it was stunning. To some, it was surprising. To others who've watched Queen's Park Rangers closely, I guess they might have been surprised by the fact Watford were so good, given kind of how they were at the end of last season, but in terms of Queen's Park Rangers issues, it wasn't anything new. No, the, the surprise probably would have been Watford's quality mm. and them dispatching QPR, who already are down on their knees, which is just incredible, really, one game into the season. I've got a degree of sympathy with Gareth Ainsworth at the moment. Um, he has got injury problems already. The side that he put out, the squad... That's a League One squad. I don't even think that's a championship squad at the moment. The business they have done, miles away from being anything that can make them competitive. Looking at Paul Smith, very good season last year for Leighton on. He was at QPR two years ago, um, who they've brought in. A few more through the door. They might be okay. They might be able to rally. Um, Jack Colback's come in. That improves them straight away. You think of Jimmy Dunn, injured. Jake Clark, Salter, injured. Chris Woolock out of favour. We don't know why mm. that is. He's out of form. We know that much. But those four players I just mentioned, that improves QPR. Not to the extent where they're not going to be in a hell of a battle this season. So I don't know what's going on with the recruitment. They're clearly in the, the bargain bucket to, mm. to a degree. I don't think any of us realised, recognised the amount of financial difficulty they're, they're in. Um, I think it's a product, we know QPR have been in and out of financial difficulty over the last decade or so, but I think it's a product of an overspend a few years ago and they're still paying off some of those players, you know, in the summer, leaving the club. So they're in in a bit of trouble already. They, I said to you off air, Hugh, I almost feel like a performance is as important as a result right mm, now. Mm. And that may, may sound crazy because, you know, if you lose four or five of your first half a dozen games, you can be cut off at the bottom of the table. But I think the manager needs to show a little bit of flexibility. He needs to adapt a little bit. And if that means the team playing a better brand of football, still in defeat, I think that would just get the supporters a little bit more Mm. inside. It sounds a little bit... It's very optimistic, given yeah. what we know from Gareth Ainsworth and his, you know, his mm. his favoured style of football. He's a if builder. You like. He's a builder, and if someone was giving him ten years now at QPR, then maybe, maybe this could be a a marriage that's going to work. But you're not going to get that time in the championship, and already, and this is why I'll never be a manager. You <laughs> already, someone who was a hero, you know, during his playing time at QPR, already the supporters are turning to a degree, and. I want it to work for him because in in my experience, really good guy. He's clearly got something because at Wickham, they punched so above their weight for so many seasons. But QPR is a different different um, 
club, different entity completely to what Wickham Wanderers are. So they, they, they need a performance, need a performance, and hopefully it comes in the next couple of games. This, this is just going to gather momentum. Let's hear what Gareth Ainsworth had to say after that match. We were taller less than that first half, you know, we really were. And I think that we've got to, uh, we've got to hold our hands up, be more solid. You know, I'll take it, as I always do. Um, staff, my players, they gave everything, they really did. First half, we weren't good enough. But second half, I thought the shape change made us more competitive. But still, there was too many shots conceded. We've got to, we've got to be better. But um, boys are working hard, you know, we're trying to add some more to the squad. Who knows if we'll lose any. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd have been more concerned if we were builders promotion favourites and got beat 4-0 we're, we're builders bottom of the league and we've got beat 4-0 well done everyone's getting it right so far but I tell you what they're not going to we're going to we're going to book this trend and we're going to start winning some games I mean it was not out of character <laughs> the kind of comment that Gareth Ainsworth said there but um, it, it's, it must be a difficult thing for Queen's Park Rangers fans to take just on those sh- shots he mentioned uh, Watford had 24-13 on target 71% possession so yeah, the second half may have been nil nil but I don't think Queen's Park Rangers were ever in the match um, but also to hear him kind of you know I, I, it's always good for a manager to be aware and realistic about where his team are and the situation that they're in but I think it will be difficult for Queen's Park Rangers fans to accept what Gareth Ainsworth is saying about what difficult season they face I thought it was alarming the back end of last season the comments I'm talking from the outside I clearly probably don't know the extent of the problems at QPR, how bad the dressing room was towards the, the tail end of last season. Because having watched them in the the late summer, the autumn last year, the performances were, were very good. And it looked under Mick Beal they were onto something. And subsequently the results suffered under him. Neil Critchley didn't work. Gareth Ainsworth has inherited a squad that were low on confidence already and losing games, but there was zero upturn. You anticipated him giving the players a little bit of optimism, a little bit of confidence to rally for those last few games. They got a fantastic victory at Burnley, I think, which ultimately got their survival. But it was pretty desperate for the last couple of months of the season. So I thought with a clean slate of the summer, you have that opportunity to build, to coach, to to attack the new season with a few new ideas. And I thought... Saturday was just a mess. Mm. They didn't press. They didn't sit deep. It was somewhere in between. I thought it was an opportunity to go and really test a team who have suffered themselves last season. Some players that are probably not full of confidence there either. Mm. New manager who we know likes to start well. They played into Watford's hands. We know Valerian Ishmael's sides can do that when they start fast and QPR were obliterated in that first half. Brilliant opening weekend for Watford and Valerian Ishmael, uh, the former West Brom boss, of course, in his first game uh, in charge. A 4-0 victory. Imran Loser, by the way, was fantastic in this match. Marshalling things, scored a fantastic goal as well and he could be a big player uh, to have an effect on this division. Elsewhere in the Championship, Sam, what, what stood out to you? In fact, let's just start with your former club, Ipswich Town. Uh, they went to the Stadium of Light. They beat last year's playoff semi-finalists in the shape of Sunderland. What did you make of the uh, first match back in this division after promotion from Kieran McKenna's side? Well, a brilliant win, and they've probably not been listening to all the noise because it, it didn't seem to affect them, the amount of people tipping them up to uh, potentially... to to be in the shake-up this year. and I think given that we had so many romantic stories last year, brilliant stories, teams not fancied going all the way to the playoffs in Luton's case, going all the way to the Premier League. You know, why not? Me personally, 
I probably think they need a year or two. I think it's a brilliant coach. I think we're about to see just how brilliant he is. If he's able to to conjure a season where they get into the playoffs, mm. that would be miraculous. But I think he probably has to stabilise them in the in the championship, and then they need to build, get a better calibre of player. But they're really confident. They're coming up with, um, you know, a great feeling amongst them. I thought they rode their luck in the opening twenty minutes, and they rode their luck in the last fifteen minutes of, of injury time, where. Um, they had to rely on Lackey for a, a massive save from from Dan Neal. But in the, the middle of all that, yeah, I thought the kind of attacking patterns, the rotation, the the ability to play out through the opponent's press, it, it, it's all there. I think it's a really well-coached team. Got some good individuals. Really important, I thought, for Hurst to get it. I think that's his first mm. goal in the championship after maybe 30 or 40 games in the second tier. So he scored goals in League One. He's had a really good pre-season pretty much scored in every game I believe so he's taken that form into the first game and um, yeah I've got no real worries about them looking over their shoulders but I think a bit too early to be talking mm-hmm. about promotion for them but great win Elsewhere a great win for Millwall up at Middlesbrough mm-hmm. Michael Carrick he, he brought seven new players in but really it's trying to replace the Premier League loanees who were so great last year uh, Ryan Giles Cameron Archer uh, Aaron Ramsey as well not really replaced as yet and of course the big thing hanging over Middlesbrough right now is Tuba Akpom's future um, it didn't start the game of course uh, injured at the moment we are told but with his contract situation being as it is, could be some suitors coming in for him very soon. I'm sure Middlesbrough want to protect that investment. Yeah, I mean, he was amazing last year and that, that that's going to affect any team. I think Morgan Rogers played down the middle at the, the weekend. I think the squad's OK, um, but I think the 11's weaker, if that makes any sense. You take Cameron Archer, one of the, I thought probably one of the best players you could take from the Premier League in terms of someone who's not quite ready for the top tier but is going to flourish in the championship I thought he was immense I thought Akpom was was brilliant as well Ramsey they, they've lost Ryan Giles as well going to get a go in the, the Premier League so there's four big players I thought for them towards the tail end of last season so it may be a bit of a work in progress for Michael Carrick but like Kieran McKenna obviously Huge similarities given their their start to coaching at Manchester United. I've got real belief that he will get a side that will challenge again. But no, no real surprise for me at the weekend that Mill went there and got a result. Mill will will be challenging again around the playoff positions, I'm sure. And I like their business. I think Joe Bryan is a an amazing pickup for them. He'll give them that balance on the left, which I think they've lacked quite a bit over the last few years. Um, Wes Harden, another one that's come in, Nisbet, a bit of an unknown mm. down from Hibs, but yeah, not too surprised. And yeah, great to see a couple of young players combining for a, a brilliant winning goal as a, another mm. cab off the rank, really, um, yeah. because they've got a few. McNamara has been another one, Billy Mitchell. They've had some mainstays of that first team over the last 12, 24 months that have been doing really well. Yeah, yeah, excellent win uh, for Millwall this weekend. Uh, Coventry up next for Middlesbrough, who they'll be absolutely sick of the sight of. But Michael Carrick will be desperate to take all three points. Um, all right, look, it was a great first weekend in the Championship. Plenty more we could have touched on. Norwich winning at home for the first time since February as well was an important one. Blackburn taking all three points against West Brom too. But uh, up next, we are going to head to Leagues 1 and 2, including a shock to the system for Wrexham and Notts County. This is EFL or access on DAB Plus online via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker UFL all access on TalkSport 2
Yes, you're listening to EFL All Access with myself, Hugh Wozencroft. Uh, this evening, alongside Sam Park in the form of Swindon and Luton striker. And after their brilliant promotion from the National League, Wrexham Stock Racecourse Ground hosted a football league game for the first time since April of 2008. However, the 5-3 defeat against an impressive MK Dons was called a reality check by the manager, Phil Parkinson. The other team that was back in League 2... A Notts County, and it was a rude awakening for Luke Williams and his players. They were beaten 5-1 at Sutton United. Afterwards, Luke Williams spoke to our very own Ian Abrahams and had this to say about their performance. We were weak and pathetic, and uh, the opposition were the total opposite to that. They were, they were ferocious, and they were really competitive and really impressive and we got thoroughly beaten and we deserved to get thoroughly beaten it had nothing to do with sending if you think I'm going to watch the team get absolutely destroyed 5-1 and say that I've done a good job and they've done a good job it's not that's never going to happen I'm afraid that's that's not going to happen we we didn't we didn't do a good job at all today and none of us me obviously that, that I mean that's pretty obvious but we have to do a lot lot better than that to even have a, a chance of competing so Luke Williams, uh, Sam, isn't going to ease his players into the season after that. He isn't going to say, we've got some things to work on, but don't worry, we'll get it right. He was straight in and he was serious in judging their performance. What did you make of it? Well, he's a he's a really good guy, Luke. I, I know him relatively well. He's, he's very proud of the way that he wants his teams to play. And he's worked with Russell Martin before to give you a, an indication of the type of football he he, he likes and the type of football he coaches so he'll take responsibility he'll take that personally because they would have been well prepared for that because in the National League they'd have faced all different types of football invariably away from home you'd be put under pressure you'd be put under the aerial ball everything that Sutton United are and more and he credits the opponent there because Sutton are such a well-oiled drill team at the level now Matt Gray's done an unbelievable job and from what I've seen Notts County weren't good enough with the ball in terms of the way they like to play. They weren't tied enough on the ball. They gave away a few goals in that regard. They gave away a, a red card to their goalkeeper from um, being sloppy on the ball. And they didn't defend the aerial battles well enough. They conceded too easily from from, from crosses and, and dead balls. So both sides, sides of the game, it looks like Notts County fell short. But one thing's for sure, they'll be back on the training ground on Luke or just be, we need to do that better we're not changing for anyone mm. now that we've gone up a tier. We, want, we just want to polish up our play with the ball and be a little bit harder to play against. And they'll be fine. I'm sure they've got good resources. And as you can hear from my voice, they got a, they got a really good, really good manager in yeah, the dugout. Yeah. Um, a bit of a reality check uh, for Wrexham as well. 5-3 loss to MK Dons, who were in scintillating form, of course. Uh, no Paul Mullin for Wrexham, uh, out with that punctured lung at the moment. Was it a worrying day for the Wrexham fans or was it the reality check, like Phil Parkinson said, that it's not going to be as easy as everyone's making out? I think it's going to be it's going to be challenging for, for the players because, let's get it right, they, these aren't Premier League players or Championship players. They're, they're good League 1, League 2 players, you know, that are more than capable of competing. Again, probably the higher echelons of the division, but there's a lot of expectation around them. I think that can have an effect. There's, there were some pictures of Phil Parkinson just telling the guys to calm down. I think they were 2-0 down at the time, just calm down. And I think it it can have a little bit of an effect. They didn't miss the goals of Paul Mullen as such because they, they got three, but he's a big miss. They haven't got... they got Ollie Palmer, who I quite like. I think he was on the bench, but 
they haven't got light for light to come in. So I'd be very surprised if they don't strengthen just to solidify themselves probably in that, you know, upper region of the, the division mm. um, until he's back. But no, I'd, I'd credit MK Dons, who yeah. have made a really good appointment in Graham Alexander. I think he's an excellent lower league coach, really good experience. And the front two, Issa and Jonathan Lecco, feels like at periods I've felt they were really going to kick on, yeah. you know, as individuals. Yeah. And they haven't. So that's as good a front pairing as you'll maybe get. Yeah, at this level. I, I watched Lecco's goal and, and he's always had incredible yeah. talent. You've just been waiting for his career to ignite. He's moved around to several clubs and you're like, is he ever going to really materialise to mm. the player that we, we know the elements of his game He's are. been at big clubs. He's been at Charlton. Mate, elements of West his game are, are Premier League quality. You know, with the ball at his feet dribbling, he can do things that most players can't, mm. even in the top division. But it's putting the full professional game together that we haven't seen yet alright he might not be a big Premier League player ever in his career but he can be a fantastic player in the EFL um, if he can do this consistently I would love to see it to be perfectly honest because he's got a special talent but it's the inconsistency really that obviously we haven't seen uh, I was just going to say that the first day of the season it it doesn't have the, the tension of the last day and the, the jeopardy of course but Everyone's got such optimism. You said it at the start of the show. So MK Dons would have been going there. What a first game for them. Mm. If I'm a player, I'm, I was a player, rubbing my hands together. Brilliant pitch, brilliant atmosphere, the, 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 the most attention in the division on them that day. Another element to it, you do well against Wrexham. This is how it works. <laughs> yeah, Football's yeah. moved on a lot and yeah. scouting networks and analysis, but you do well in the two games against Wrexham. Believe me, Phil Parkins would say, Bill Parkinson will say, what about that lad at MK Dons that absolutely tore us to shreds? Mm. So these these players now are playing for the potential to to maybe go to Wrexham and go through the leagues and be in the next Netflix, Netflix documentary, yeah. so on and so forth. It's yeah. um, There's a real, a real character uh, for these there, players. There is part of me that also thinks, we, we look, it's reality now. The Hollywood owners walking around the pitch, shaking hands with fans and all that stuff, mm. kissing babies like it's it's like <laughs> election time. Yeah. Like we, we need to kind of cut that out now because mm. I think it's... I hate to say it's a distraction, but I've always felt more attention was given to that, particularly when they were in the National League, than the players and the coach. And actually, that that does need to be the focus now. Um, look, it's great that they have got such support at Wrexham now, and it's clearly taken them this far, and it could very well take them even further. But this is now the bread and butter. It's the week in, week out. It's the Saturday, Tuesday, and they just need to, you know, get their heads de- focused, if you know, on the football. Yeah, that's all... It's all superficial that though and above the surface underneath the surface you've they've made really good appointments Phil Parkinson I think at this level very good if he's the man to take them on in two three years time I would doubt is my honest truth but right now I think he's a really good manager and he'll get them refocused and when you think of James McLean Will Boyle who who didn't play at the weekend uh, Paul Mullen to come back in some steely tough professionals there and I think once they get going when they get into the away games and the Tuesday matches they're going to be absolutely fine it was probably actually a relief to get Saturday out of the way but I think they've made great appointments off the pitch at Wrexham the squad will only get stronger as we get towards the end of the window they're going to challenge and and like I said I'd like to just credit yeah credit MK Dons and I've kind of been in that situation that scenario as a as a team going to a fancied side and it's it's sometimes difficult for the home side with all that expectation. That's what played out of the weekend. Let's head into League One now, Sam. Um, 
Derby County, let's begin there. For many people, they're the, the big fish, if you like. Um, and it was a surprise loss at home to newly relegated Wigan. Charlie Wyke uh, equaled his tally for last season, actually. We know he was out with, with health issues. Great to see him back and scoring. Looked very happy and fit. Um, but Paul Warren and Derby County are going to bounce back from this, aren't they? I think so, yeah. I, I wouldn't be overly concerned again you know, on the first day. They had a lot of periods of pressure, a um, couple, couple of calamitous goals that they conceded. Sonny Bradley on his on his debut test for him now. I think to to recover. Used to playing at a high level last few years with Luton, but didn't go brilliantly towards the end of his his playing time at Kenilworth Road. So a test for him, making an error on on his debut, and the goalkeeper as well, uh, culpable for the second goal. So avoidable defeat. Um, I thought a lot of what they did was pretty good. Loads of threat from the wide positions that you always anticipate from Paul Warren. Moved in the market today for Martin Waghorn. Mm. I think they still... I'm surprised that they haven't gone and got someone that they can really trust to get them the goals in the 18-yard yeah. box. That's my one concern, my one query as to why they haven't gone and made a marquee yeah. signing. Just a johnson Clark harris I know they're, they're tough to find and every manager will say that and they are. But, you know, there's a few that have moved this summer. I thought just to go and get someone to solidify their position, but the squad's good. They could quite easily have a really good spread of goals. Um, but again, credit Wigan, who under Sean Maloney I thought showed flashes last year that he can be a, that he's going to be a good coach. Mm. Really youthful side, obviously huge problems off the pitch, a little bit of a coupon buster. Um, but they did both sides of the game really well. They played a bit in that first half, second half when they were asked to defend that really youthful back five stood up to the task against probably a more experienced derby side so yeah. i wouldn't be i wouldn't be overly concerned uh, is my yeah. my yeah. answer to your question Hugh, Posit- Posit- positives for wigan without will Keen, but um you're right i think derby mm. county do need to find that that focal point in attack especially with david mcgoldrick now mm. of course uh, gone back to Notts county elsewhere reading um ruben sellers their manager said after the challenging summer that they actually show they are a good team at the weekend. Uh, he wants to use the game to help them identify, excuse me, help them find their identity. Um, and that was an interesting comment, I thought. It was a, a 1-0 defeat to Peterborough, first game in League One. We know he was at a Premier League dugout last year. Um, I, I, um, they were a lot better than I was expecting, given everything that's been said in pre-season. I read quite a few bits from, from Reading fans going into the game where they were actually like, quite relaxed about it, looking forward to it. I think probably young lads with points to prove, quite excited about the signings. You think of um, Charlie Savage, the two lads they mm. took from from Cambridge, uh, Sam Smith and Harvey Nibs, who have felt like they've been on the cusp of a, a move for a, a season or two now and Reading have taken the plunge. So I think in terms of the business they've done and the, 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 the 11 they could put out, I can understand some optimism, but the squad's not particularly deep when you look beyond that there's obviously clear issues with the supporters which can have a a negative effect on the on the field um but yeah no disaster losing at home to peterborough who will be up there whether reading can challenge this year probably a lot will be answered in the next few weeks when we see what kind of squad they're going to end the window with mm. but it's it's a shame for them looking at them there because i think of reading as a team as a support everything around them the last few years wanting to push onto the Premier League and now they find themselves in League One and probably, for my money, not with anything better than maybe a mid-table League One squad. 
Uh, the biggest opening day EFL win since August of 2018. Barnsley running out 7-0 winners at home against Port Vale. What a start for their new boss, Neil Collins. Of course, replaced Mike Duff in the summer. Hat-trick for Devante Cole as well in this one. Actually, their biggest win of the century. So, I mean, it was a cracking start. Um, more of this to come, do you think? <laughs> Well, you always wonder how teams are going to get over playoff defeat, especially last-minute um, heartache at Wembley. Um, and they've answered that emphatically, haven't they? Um, mm. In my experience, it can take it can take months. So they've wiped the slate clean. Maybe it helped having a new having a new gaffer at the helm coming in. Quite an interesting story, obviously. Over went over to to the states, Neil Collins to. Um, cut his teeth and he's come back to a really talented Barnsley side had a great season under Michael Duff and I I was really surprised to see James Norwood leave last mm. week for Oldham no less in the National League without being disrespectful I thought he probably had a number of years left but maybe in the third tier or even better so that was a surprise to me but Devante Cole again had a brilliant end to last season um, some amazing goals Great delivery from wide. We know Nicky Cadden supplies that. So, yeah, it looks like Barnsley, not been spoken about too much, could be very much amongst the frontrunners. Great start to the season uh, in Leagues 1 and 2. Loads to look forward to this weekend. I'll tell you all about our live commentaries next as Sam and I discuss the rule changes. All the time added on what's it going to mean for the upcoming season. On DAB+, Plus, online, by the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Hugh Wisencroft, alongside Sam Parkin. And we have to talk about what you've all been talking about around the coffee machines at work on a Monday morning because it was crazy, wasn't it? Uh, Added time, yellow card controversies up and down the country in the EFL. All but two games this weekend didn't go beyond 100 minutes. Um, Match officials told, of course... Now to add on the exact time taken for certain events like goals and substitutions rather than the nominal 30 seconds that they used to use. Across the league's 15 goals scored an additional time, including Crescencio Somerville's 95th minute leveller for Leeds against Cardiff on Sunday. And I think for a lot of people, the yellow cards were a particular sticking point, weren't there? There were unbelievably 166 yellow cards and five reds. Um, a big, big figure. Um, and I think the longest amount of time added on was Northampton against Stevenage. 22 minutes and 36 seconds. Several games, 20 minutes plus added on. Uh, and of course, a number of the managers have been outspoken about the fact that they just didn't like it, didn't get it. We heard Tony Mowbray um, saying as much a little bit earlier on. So, so. In fact, let's hear from him now before we get to your view on it, Sam. Um, Tony Mowbray, the Sunderland boss, speaking after his side's 2-1 defeat to Ipswich. You've all been in football a long, long time or watched it or reported on it. You know, Is that what football is going to be like now? You know, 13, 14, 15 minutes added on. Is it right? I'm not sure. You know, managers getting booked and sent off over this weekend for ridiculous things. I think you can't... It seems it's... I'm not trying to deflect from the football match. I'm just trying to say, whoa, is this what we have to do for for the next 40 weeks? Goodness me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel for the referees. 
What did you think about the rule changes, how it all worked, Sam, in the first week? I agree with that sentiment. I feel sorry for the officials because of the half a dozen or so managers I've heard complaining, none of them are on the same page. None of them are singing from the same hymn sheet. Mm. Everyone's got a different beef this Monday morning. So what chance have they got? Um, My general take on it is they're trying to do something beneficial to the game to make it a better spectacle, which can only be a good thing. And my honest take now that I'm not playing anymore is that gamesmanship, the dark arts time-wasting, feigning injury has got to a level of an all-time high, I think, in English game. And we're quick to point at other leagues and other nations about gamesmanship. Well, I think we've had to get our own house in order. We probably see it funnel down from the, the top tier in this country. But yeah, if it's going to improve the product and, and stop that, then I'm all for it. I'm probably not all for 15, 20 minutes being added on. Mm. I don't know why Tony Mowbray's so upset. I think Kieran McKenna should have been upset yesterday. <laughs> 15 minutes his team yeah. had to hold out for. Um, one but, of his lads went down with a bad head injury. 15 or so minutes, it switched back to the wall, had to hang in for dear life. So um, maybe, you know, on reflection, managers will, will realise how tough the job is. But I think in the main... The lads should grasp it in the next few weeks and hopefully we'll see that time decrease. I hate to be cold about it, but the message from me is get on with it. That's the whole point of these rule changes coming in. You know, if the players are going to take a long time to do everything, oh, I slowly go and pick the ball up to take a goal kick, oh, I wander over to take a throw on, they now know, even if they walk off when their substitution's being made, which players love to do, and then when the ref tells them they're going to get booked, suddenly they start, you know, jogging off. Well, all of that gamesmanship has gone, and that's a positive. Also, the ball's in play more. Fans are getting more value for money in terms of going to games. The only negative for me is, and I think this is a message from the players to the authorities, you know, we play a lot of football. We don't want to be out there for an extra 15, 20 minutes every single game. But again, my response would be, right, well, if you get on with everything, you won't be. Mm. And that's the point. I think the fans kind of miss, the, the players and coaches kind of miss in this first weekend. They don't want to add on 20 minutes. They want you to get through the game quickly Mm. so that they still add on three, four, five minutes like we usually see. The issue, 20 minutes and stuff being added on, I get it, there are injuries in those games and stuff like that. But generally speaking, we're taking too long to... I don't don't really mind goal celebrations, but those small things in the game when the ball goes out of play or you go down for an injury, whatever it might be, like, let's be realistic about how long those things actually need to take going off for a substitution. And if we can just you know, take an extra 30 seconds off here or there, we're not going to see those huge numbers added on. The only thing that I would say about the, the, the issue generally is we've heard Pep Guardiola now speaking out about it after his side conceded in the 100th minute against Arsenal in the Community Shield. We've heard Raphael Varane of Manchester United, France World Cup winner, come out and say, you know, we've basically said we already play too much football and we've been ignored. Now, I think if you've got those big names... We're going to put pressure on the authorities, the officials. I think we may have, we may see a backlash from the fans. Mm. You want everyone to be on the same page here. Mm. It's kind of sad for me that they, they don't seem to be as yet. Yeah, and it should make for a make for a better atmosphere. I think some of the vitriol that's spouted from the terraces and some of the animosity is not helped by the the gamesmanship and the time wasting and such like. So if they can get hold of that a little bit, and I think that has spiralled out of control maybe across the DFL the last few years. We talk about antisocial behaviour quite a lot, mm. you know, previously on, on this show. So 
I think anything to help in that regard is is a good thing as well. It sounds like the officials are trying to make it black and white to simplify it. Um, there are grey areas in football, and I think grey areas still exist. I'll give you an example. I saw a few players who were losing games at the weekend that were chasing games, getting booked for time wasting. You get your head around that. You know, sometimes <laughs> the the referees have got to be human and they've got to recognise that players are human and sometimes when there's been an infringement the ball will be nudged away that doesn't mean you're wasting time if you're behind in the game yeah. um, so I think you know, there was a couple of things like that where they've got to be a little bit more savvy but in the main if we're going to get a better flow of game the multi-ball I like something like goalkeepers time wasting I just think something like that you want a nice brave referee to go over there nip it in the bud, yellow card yeah. early on, yeah. and potentially a second yellow later on. So they've kind of taken that away from the game, I suppose. I hope the players and the coaches adjust to it very quickly, and then the fans' complaints will hopefully go away. So we're going to see exactly how it goes over the coming weeks. Uh, EFL All Access, that's it. Sam, thank you very much uh, for being with me. Uh, this, of course, available as a podcast on the TalkSport feed, so make sure you subscribe, you hit the notification button, and you won't miss an episode. You can listen, of course, here on TalkSport 2 each and every Monday 